Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. This is a, picky, a picking up, a continuation of what Wade was sharing last week. And uh, the season that we're in, um, for those of you that may be fairly new to the well, there may be a couple of things that you don't know. Our vision statement, we used to say it at the beginning of every service. Uh, and we don't say it quite as much anymore. We, we probably should. But um, our vision statement is to cultivate a culture for more of God. And then uh, when you're going through the process of trying to figure out vision and mission and things like that, there comes a place where you have to seek how. How are we going to do that? How do we seek more of God? And so those values in this house, and I believe there's a slide, those values are relational evangelism, real relationships with God and people, Authentic worship, which we love, authentic worship here, and kingdom culture. And today I want to talk about kingdom culture. Just been in this season where I believe there's so much revelation that he wants to bring forth about what it means to be a part of his, his culture, his kingdom, and what that looks like for us to reside there and in that kingdom culture. I'm going to talk about life in the spirit today. I don't know how far I'm going to get. Um, I should not even tell you, but I'm pretty transparent. (laughs) But I think I gave Nathaniel six chapters in the Bible. There's absolutely no way I can preach six chapters this morning. But the reason that I did that is because there's, there's this transformation process that I believe that we are on, but it is a paradigm shift in how we understand what it is like to live life in the spirit. So last week, Wade talked about that old man. You remember he did that illustration with Nathaniel and about how we oftentimes want to, our old man wants to drag our spirit with it, you know? So then we take the spirit with us. But we don't really, um, we're not always able to lay down that old man. We want to carry parts of that old man with us. And uh, I just have been diving deeper into scripture about that because I believe with my whole being that there is a way for us to live kingdom culture. There is a way for us to live like we are citizens of heaven right now. And I think that as we continue, some of this is going to sound repetitive and familiar. You know, another thing that about kingdom culture is that in this house, we function in a five-fold ministry out of Ephesians 4. And so uh, that's one of the reasons that it's not always the same person that brings forth the word on Sunday. Because just like Wade preached about becoming a new creation in Christ, and Ken has talked about identity in Christ, and I have shared about those kinds of things, 
they bring a particular gifting to the message based on the gift that they carry in the fivefold ministry. And so it's important for us to do that because we know that Ephesians also says that the fivefold is used for the equipping of the saints for the work of the kingdom. So our goal is then to equip you for the work of the kingdom, for the work to which you are called to, the ministry to which you are called. And so it's, it's important that is part of kingdom culture in this house. So this week you get to hear from me. Next week you'll get to hear from someone else. And, uh, and that's a good thing for you. That's a good thing for me. Because it may not... Have you ever... You got your favorite, anybody got their favorite pastor or favorite preacher you like to listen to? They probably have a particular flair or particular style to them. And that probably has a lot to do with their gifting in the kingdom. And uh, the, the uh, danger of that is that if you only chose to listen to that particular perspective, that you're not going to get the fullness of what God has for you. It's not going to be deep. It's not going to be deep. It's not going to create those deep roots in our life that we need in order to grow and to transform. It's going to keep us at a one tone, a one level. And it doesn't mean that you're not saved. It just means that you're not living in the fullness that God has created for you to live in and function in. And I feel like you probably do want to live in the fullness. Um, of the spirit. So, what a couple things I want you to remember today as I share is that, is that I can't clean me up fully. I can implement healthy habits in my life. There are things that I can do to be healthier. I can um, make better choices. I can work on having healthy relationships. I can grow in those. However, if I'm looking to live in Christ, I need to realize that once I've accepted Christ, I die to myself and I become a new creation. That is different than establishing healthy habits. Okay? That looks different than me just saying, that looks like I'm going to clean up, clean the outside of the cup and not just the inside. And I think last time I got to share, I was able to talk about that some out of Matthew. So, last week, when Wade was talking about new creation, um, it, was, it is very interesting because we live in the flesh, but we should actually live in the spirit. So we live in a natural world where things all around us are functioning in what we can see and what we can touch. But in actuality, our citizenship, when we come into to knowing Christ and that deposit of the Holy Spirit is made into our life, we become citizens of heaven. So we're no longer citizens of this world and in Scripture, I'm going to use the word law or sin. We're no longer citizens of the law or citizens of sin. But we're actually citizens, kingdom citizens, sons and daughters of God. 
So contrary to, uh, to Scripture, which says that we are dead to sin, but now all of that is contrary. So now we are alive in Christ, and our old man is crucified. So in John, and I didn't even give you these scriptures. <laughs> I need a bigger table. <laughs> so I'm going to read John. Chapter 3, verse 8. I brought my big Bible today again. Wow! Did y'all see that? That's quick. <laughs> I need you to be hungry today. Anybody hungry? All right. I, I, I don't eat breakfast on Sunday. I fast Sunday until after service. So that's just a routine, a discipline I have in my life. It's what I do. So I come in here hungry. I come in here hungry in the flesh, and I come in here hungry in the spirit so that I can dine and I can feast at the table to which he has set for me to feast from, okay? And so that's about me. That's not to get his attention, but that's about crucifying my own flesh and turning my attention to him. So I need you to be hungry today, okay? I need you to not just come as a consumer, but that your spirit is hungry, Hungry for more of God, because I'm not going to be able to entertain you, but I can share the word of God with you, okay? All right, so just be hungry with me. Be hungry with me. This is life-giving. If we eat of this, just like Wade was saying, if we eat of this bread, if we eat of the bread of life, then it will fill us. It will fill us, and it will bring forth revelation in our life, okay? Okay, all right. So y'all can breathe too. All right, so in John chapter 3, I'm going to, this is where Jesus is having a conversation with, uh, with Nicodemus. And I'm just going to start in, in verse 3. You can write these down and go back and study them out and all the things because, like I said, I have a lot to cover and I don't know how far I'm going to get today. So Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said, You, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit, of the Spirit. So we are no longer born of the flesh, which we are first born of the flesh, but we become born of the Spirit, of the Spirit, and this sounds really hokey, but I'm going to say it, of the wind of the Spirit, okay? So in the garden, Jesus breathed upon Adam, and he became, the spirit entered his body, and he became alive. Alive. And so the spirit is a, 
a wind. Many times in scripture we hear it called a wind. And it blows in like it blew in in the upper room in the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit blew in. There's the thing about the Spirit. The wind cannot be controlled. Who can control the wind? And so that means to say that we are not puppets, but that we have um, allowed possession to be taken of this fleshly body. So we are possessed with the Holy Spirit. I think I used that at Praise and Presence one night. And we don't really like that term because we have a negative connotation to it. But because we are dead to self... And we are alive in Christ. We are a new creation. And the breath inside of us, the spirit inside of us is the Holy Spirit. And it now should rule and reign in our life. So we are no longer ruled by our sin nature or the law or religion. That no longer dictates how we function and, and, and exist in the present world. What does that mean? What does that really look like, right? That's what we want to know. Well, I want to read another passage of Scripture in John. John chapter 20. Look, you're just going on a journey with me. Just as I am growing deeper in my understanding, I get to share it with you. Maybe you all know all this stuff, so this won't be new to you. But it is new revelation to me. God is breaking off my old mindsets, my old existence, and he is creating in me a new, a new wineskin. I'm no longer pieced and patched together with old ideas and old theology and old thought processes, but I've been created a new and a new wineskin so that he can pour his new wine into that. And I can contain what he has for me. Okay? All right. So verse, I'm going to start in verse 20, 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So he is commissioning. In this moment, he is about to send out his disciples. He's about to send them out. And he is commissioning them. Look what he does. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he, said, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Go tell the people about Christ, letting them know that their sins are forgiven. He wasn't saying that those people had an ability to forgive the sins. What he was saying is go and tell in the Holy Spirit, which had been breathed into them. The Holy Spirit wind had been breathed into them and commissioned them to go, which is what happens to us. So when we become alive in Christ, he does the same thing. He commissions us the same way. Go and tell others that their sins are forgiven that they're no longer under the penalty of death. Okay? Just laying a little groundwork here. So Holy Spirit comes in and consumes us. Our self-life is put to death to begin living in the Spirit. Here, I'm just going to throw this little nugget in there, and someday we can unpack it maybe. But pride is the bait of the adversary. 
And if you're taking notes, I just want you to, I'm not preaching on pride today, but I want you to recognize that pride will keep you at a distance. It is a veil between you and God. And as long as you have conversation that you know best and you continue to drag that old man everywhere that you go, that to me is a form of pride. And that will separate you from where God wants you to be. So we learn to to live in humility, understanding that we are possessed, inhabited, controlled by the wind of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing about the wind of the Holy Spirit. In John that I just read, John uh, chapter 3, it says that we can't control the direction of the wind. So if he is in us, then we cannot control him. We need to be controlled by the will of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so you could understand how if I'm telling my, the Holy Spirit what I want to do versus him trying to tell me where he wants me to go, there's a conflict there. And that pride can become your adversary because the enemy is the accuser. And maybe really simple in my mind, but kind of Tom and Jerry look into me, and this is, and we could talk about human nature and, and things like that, but just let me keep it simple here. You know, you got the good mouse and you got the bad mouse. Well, you can only go in this direction or this direction. Because that yoke, which is the stronger? I think someone was just sharing that with us. I don't even remember who it was. But when you are yoked together, there is one that is usually stronger. And it leads. And so I'm asking us, what are we yoked to? Are we yoked in the spirit? Are we yoked to our old man? Which one is leading us? So we've believed that freedom is not submitting to anything or anyone. That's freedom. I will not submit. I will not allow something to have control of me. And we believe that that's freedom. Yet, we've bound ourselves to the accuser who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If you read the first tenet of the Satanic Bible... It says, do whatever you will, whatever you want to do. So we've chained ourselves to a life being dominated in self-righteousness and not in his righteousness. Boy, this feels heavy, and I promise you there's life in this, and I'm getting there. So here's the thing. I was watching this parenting video. Actually, Danny Silk, anybody ever listen to any of his things? It's really good. Um, we love Culture of Honor, that book. And, and he, um, he has some really great materials out. He's a pastor by Fivefold Ministry. And he, this video was talking about parenting. And it was talking about priorities. And I thought that that was really interesting because the the person that was interviewing them was saying, well, what advice would you give parents that um, 
want to, you know, be more attentive and spend more time with their family and, and say that family is a priority, but yet the demands of this world have created such an environment that, you know, uh, Things have gotten more expensive, and they've had to make decisions and choices where they can't make those priorities. So I'm going to shift this here because I'm not talking about parenting, but I am going to mention priorities. And one of the things he said about that was, he said, so much of our behavior flows out of our priorities. So he said, he went on to say, if I tell you that something is important to me, but I don't take the time to invest in it, then my actions are contrary to my words. So if I tell you that I want to grow in the things of Christ, but I don't make space in my life, make priorities for him to become that in my life, then those really are not my priorities. It's kind of like wishful thinking, right? Like I'm going to buy the exercise machine and put it in my barn because I want to get healthy but I never use the exercise machine. I have intentions, but I have not made it a priority. And so those things that we make a priority are the things that will grow in our life. So if you say financial freedom is what you want, then it's going to be an indicator of how you spend your money. And the things. So if you say that you want to grow in the knowledge and understanding of Christ and you want your life to reflect a particular way of being, then you have to make space and priority in your life for that to happen. Unfortunately, I can't just carry this book around with me and it bring life to me. I mean, and it's heavy. Boy, I could get some muscles. But it doesn't do me any good if I don't spend time in it. My life will not change if I don't behold the creator. So our priorities have to shift. They have to. What are the things that are important to you? Is it growing in your understanding and knowledge of Christ? Is it to become a mature Christian? Is it to come off the milk and eat the meat? So in 1 Corinthians... I guess I'm going to lay all, the, all this stuff out first. I was doing some studying a couple weeks ago. And Ken preached out of 1 Corinthians a couple weeks ago. If you don't listen to our podcast, you totally should. Okay, we have a podcast. And so our past messages are on the podcast. You can go to our website and you can find them there. They're on Spotify and all the podcasty places. <laughs> so you can do that. And we're trying to get those up to date. If you like to do that kind of thing, we could use somebody that likes to put together podcasts because right now Wade does it. Just a little plug there. So if somebody likes to do that kind of technical digital stuff, I'm sure he would surrender that. <laughs> There's a need there. <laughs> okay. All right. So look what it says in Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to start the first verse. And it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal as to babes in Christ, if I fed you with milk and not with, uh, if 
If, wait, hold on, there's no if. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal of the flesh. For where there are, look at this, look at this. Where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am Paul and the other, and I am Apollos, are you not carnal? And previous to that, in verse 16, at the end of chapter 2, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. If we are still facing these kinds of situations, if we can't get past this part, the spirit wind is not controlling us. If we are still struggling with strife and envy and jealousy, then we are, not being, we are being controlled by the flesh and not the spirit. We are connecting ourselves to the adversary, the accuser. Now, is that a struggle to crucify the flesh and allow those things? Because they want that, those natural tendencies that we make excuses for. Do we not? We make excuses for. It didn't say adultery and murder and any of those things. It just said strife and envy and jealousy. That if we can't allow those things to be crucified, then how can we grow in the deeper things of God? Okay, so you may be saying, okay, so what do I do? Well, let me talk to you about it. I'm going to, you can write these scriptures down. I'm going to talk out of Romans 7 and 8 and Galatians 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. <laughs> Probably not, but <laughs> that's my goal. <laughs> it's so good. It is so good and it's life-giving. He is calling us to a place of spiritual maturity. We honestly come back around to this conversation and this topic quite a bit because, um, because we need to grow in the things of Christ. One of the things about the well, we would love to have this room full. We have 150 chairs, and we would love to have every chair in here full. But one of the things that we know about the well is that we're in the business, the kingdom business of growing people. We actually just had a leadership meeting this week, and Ken was talking about he had someone ask him, well, is the church growing, you know, because that's always the gauge in, in the secular world, is the church growing? How many people do you have show up on a Sunday? But see, what we measure in this house is that this time last year, you're not there anymore. <laughs> that you're not in that place that you were but that you are healthier, that you are more healed, and you are more mature in the things of God. And this is the message that brings forth life. It's not just contingent on your salvation. It's contingent on the fact that your roots go so deep in the ground that when a storm comes through, that you're not shaken. That's what we're in the business of. That's who we are. 
And that's what we want out of you. So if you feel pressed today or stretched or a little bit irritated by the word of God, then that's your flesh having just a little bit of a struggle receiving what your spirit desires for you to eat of. Not for you to stay where you are. And that's my apostolic heart. (laughs) It will call you higher. It will irritate you. You will not like me sometimes. And you might need a break. But I will not let you stay where you are. Do you know why? Because of the mandate that God placed inside of me. And I'm getting to the place where I'm not going to make excuses for that anymore. And I'm not going to apologize for the gift of God that's on my life. That if he's placed you here, he's placed you here because he wants to see you grow. He wants to see you changed and transformed. And I'm just the person that can push you in that direction. And I can pull out of you what's in there. Because the gift that you carry is is important to me. But the gift that I carry is also important to you. And I'm not going to back down. Because I want to see you become everything that God has created you to be. Well, now that I got that out of the way. (laughs) Oh, pulled my tabby right out of the Bible. All right, look, y'all are just going to have to go with me here on this little journey. We're going to go to Romans. So um, I love Romans 8, but I actually love it the most when you start at verse 18. I'm not even going to get there today. But I love it when we begin to talk about the groanings of the Holy Spirit and how the earth groans and how we move from glory to glory and that the earth is waiting for the sons and daughters to arise. It's very, I like it a lot. But before we get there, there's a few things we need to look at. And so I'm going to do, we'll see, I'm going to do a little bit of a flyover here. Are y'all still hungry? All right. Starving. I like it. I like it. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, sorry, but I just like paper, so I need a Bible in front of me, people. I just like it. I like it. I like it. A little old school that way. Okay. Bear with me a little bit because there are things I want to break out, bring out in the New King James Version. But honestly, I just want to read out of the Passion Translation. Okay? So just bear with me a little bit as we go this direction. Um, I just believe that it breaks it down in such a way that it gives us a deeper understanding of some of the particular meanings of the words. And I think that that's important. Okay, so I'm going to read verse 13. In Romans chapter 7, it says, in New King James, Has then what is good become death to me? Okay. Yep, let's just go there. Got to start somewhere. Certainly not, but sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin, through the the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, But I am carnal, sold under sin. 
Now, if you read that same passage in the Passion Translation, it says this. So, did something meant to be good become death to me? Certainly not. It was not the law, but sin unmasked that produced my spiritual death. The sacred commandment merely uncovered the evil of sin so it could be seen for what it is. The evil of sin. This is good right here. For we know that the law is divinely inspired and comes from the spiritual realm. But I am a human being made of flesh and trafficked as a slave under sin's authority. And when you look in the um, King James Version, it uses the word sold under sin. The Greek word for that is piprasco, and it refers to a slave sold for exploitation, betrayed, and ruined. That is the assignment of sin on your life. It is to exploit you and sell you into slavery. It is to keep you bound and not allow you to live in freedom. Okay, verse, I'm going to go down to verse 18 in Romans 7 in the Passion Translation. For I know that nothing... Good lives within the flesh of my falling humanity. The longings to do what is right are within me, but the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. That is behavior modification. Your behavior modification will not accomplish the will of God for your life. It will not. It will leave you like a, with a hangover. It will leave you after a one-night stand. It'll leave you feeling empty and lost and broken and in chains and like you've been stolen from. Because sin sells your soul. That's what it's after. So, he goes on to say, the longings to do what is right are within me, but the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. So, if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it is not my true identity doing it. I just like the way it says it here. In the, in the, new, in the new King James, in verse 20, it says, Now, if I do what I will not to do... It is no longer I do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Let me read it again in verse 20 in the Passion. So if my behavior contradicts my desire to do good, I must conclude that it is not my true identity doing it. But the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. This is that whole, I want to do right, but I Cannot do right. But the thing is, is you can't stop there. You got to read the whole passage to get to the point because then you could just say, well, nobody can do it. You're right. You cannot do it. Not of your own ability. But by the Spirit, by the wind of the Spirit, He will move you and guide you and direct you. We are supposed to be one in the Spirit. One with the Spirit that possesses us. Or does he? 
unwelcome intruder of sin, hindering me from being who I really am. Through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Anybody ever feel that? Can I get a witness? You desire to do good, but your flesh sabotages you. That's because we have not surrendered to the Spirit. Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Your heart is right. You want to do what pleases Him. But yet you sabotage yourself. Anybody ever been in a relationship like that? Like anything good come into your life, you just sabotage that thing quicker so it can't hurt you. (laughs) Yeah. But you desire for better. But you're so connected to that old way of being, you can't allow yourself to receive life in Christ. Am I on verse 22? Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. I'm on verse 23. But I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner, we just talked about that, to the law of sin. This unwelcome intruder is my humanity. What an agonizing situation I am in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? We could stop right there. That's a sad, sad tale. But... Verse 25, I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So if if left to myself, your will, your way, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin, with the law of sin. But now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. Life in the spirit wins. It wins. It wins. Watch this. This is the good stuff right here. I'm just going to keep on reading. Okay, chapter 8. So now the case is... The case is closed. Closed. Have you been a part of the judicial system? And when you've been felt like, and that's the enemy, puts you on trial all the time. All the time. You're on trial. The accuser, always accusing you, sabotaging you. And the case is closed. The case has been closed. That's a good feeling when you hear that from a judge. (laughs) The case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. Wade just talked about covenant. We are joined with him in blood covenant. Jesus shed his blood for your covenant with him. He loves you with agape love. I don't even know if I'm going to get there, but he loves you with an agape love. He's looking for us to love him the same way. That's undeserving, unmerited love. 
unconditional. It's not based on your condition. It's not based on your behavior. But he loves you with an unconditioned, no conditions that I'm only going to love you if. I'm only going to love you if. That's the standard of the world, and that is not the standard of the kingdom of heaven. He loves you without condition. He's looking for our devotion to him to be to love him without condition. I'm only going to love you if you answer my prayer. I'm only going to love you if you give me the house I want. I'm only going to love you if you heal my body. I'm only going to be devoted to you if you do what I want you to do. Versus being moved by the Spirit and living in the Spirit where he moves us where he wills. For the law of the spirit of life, uh, for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointed of Jesus has liberated us from the law, liberated, freed you, liberated, liberated. You are no longer a slave. You have no longer been exploited and bought and paid for by someone else. You are liberated and you are free. This is your story of freedom. I even wrote it in my Bible at the top. Freedom. Freedom. Because I want to be reminded when the accuser comes along and tells me that I'm trapped in a life of sin and death. I can remind him and myself that I am not trapped there. That, that I no longer live under the law of sin. But that is not, I am living by the Spirit. For God achieved what the law was unable, who achieved it? God achieved it. God achieved, not you, not your achievement, not something, you're not a self-made man. God achieved it in this situation. You can't make this all right. You cannot make it all right. You would have done that already if you could have. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be active in our life, to do its will and its purpose inside of us, for us to reflect what God wants us to reflect in this world, for our life to become a living testament of who God is. You are not just a measly sinner saved by grace. <laughs> You just are not trapped in that lie. I free you from that. I free you from that. You don't have to be sin-focused every day of your life. You can be focused on life and abundance. And if we get there, I'll tell you about it. In Galatians, about living the abundant life that he's called us to. That's where he's called you to live. Not abundance in things and material things, but abundance in the Holy Spirit. Of not living in shame and guilt. Because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. And we have talked about this and talked about this. That they started with 10, ended up with over 600. If they could have made ethics by law. If they could make people righteous and right with law, they would have. Our country is the same way. We cannot legislate moralities. That's a matter of the heart. Now, 
Are there things that we don't want to be a part of our culture? Of course there are. But without a change of heart, us trying to legislate moralities is not going to change our culture. But us taking freedom, us recognizing that we're not living under sin, and we can help set people free, then we will shift our culture. Legislation will follow. The reason that we have access to the throne is because the throne is the place of governmental authority. I'm going down to verse 4. So, now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live not according to our flesh. You're free to live not according to your flesh. Guess what? You're free to live not according to your flesh. Yeah. You're free to choose to not live according to your flesh, Dustin. You don't have to live according to your flesh today. Valerie, you don't have to live according to your flesh. Because my flesh irritates me sometimes. <laughs> so you're free to do that. You're free to not do that. But you are free to live. Not according to the flesh. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. But by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. That's so good. Verse 6. For the, the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Where is their life and peace? In the Spirit. It's not found in the flesh. It's not found in the things of this world. Life and peace is not found there. We cannot buy happiness. It really cannot be bought. <laughs> it, can, it can be bought temporarily, feel good, moment to make memories, but it's not going to provide lasting peace in life. Because, you know, as beautiful as all the memories I'm making with my family, and I, I, love, I love to make memories with the people that I care about, that I, I, I love to make those memories. But do you know? that those memories are going to pass away. That what I spent all that money and time on to create here, if I'm not building it for the kingdom of God, that it's all going to pass away. Wade talked about that life is but a vapor. Francis Chan uses this long rope. He shows this big, long, white rope, but there's this one little section. I mean, it's probably 10 foot. And it's got like a two-inch section down here at the end of it. It's red. He said, this is your life here on earth, but this is your eternity. And think about your priorities. What do we spend so much time focused on here? Our happiness, finding our happiness. But yet, Scripture tells me that life is in the Spirit that all these other things are not going to measure up. They're going to leave me lacking and wanting. I took a beautiful vacation with my family just in January. Do you know how far in the dis back in the distance January feels right now? 
it feels so far away. It was a wonderful time we had together. In verse 7, in fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But, I love the but, when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh but by the Spirit. Verse 10, now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. It is a process of dying. And maybe that's what we need to flesh your dead. Maybe we just need to remind ourselves, flesh you are dead. Spirit, you are alive. When you want to get angry, when you want, when jealousy wants to come up and strife and envy and all these things, this pursuit of happiness that is fleeting. Happiness is fleeting. It is fleeting. It is fleeting. God's not going to make you happy all the time. He isn't. We used to sing that song in children's church, Sunday school. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You know you're all singing it, those that know it. You're welcome. <laughs> Happiness is fleeting. If a couple were to come to me and they would say, well, they just don't make me happy. I, that's why I don't want to be with them. I would say, well, that's not on them. Wade is not responsible for my happiness. It's true. He is not responsible for my happiness. As a matter of fact, although he is an influencer, he's not re responsible for how I respond to my day. Now, can he influence that? For sure. But I need to release him. For him to carry the fact that he's responsible for my happiness... That's a weight he shouldn't have to bear. Now, just as the father desires to give me good gifts, because I am his daughter, I am in covenant with Wade. And I desire to do things that are pleasing to him. I desire to love him in such a manner that it brings fruit in his life. And it should be reciprocated. But he is ultimately not responsible for my happiness. I don't know what verse I'm in. I'm going to verse 12. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all. We have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. You're not obligated to live by the flesh. I free you today because when your flesh wants to start telling you stuff later today, you're going to be like, look, I'm not obligated to listen to you. And I am not obligated to respond to that. But today I'm going to choose to go with the Spirit the wind of the Spirit. 
and function and flow there. Oh, here we go. Down in verse 13. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But, there's another one, if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Verse 14, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. How do we mature in the things of God? We are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Just like it said in John, we cannot control the direction of the wind, the wind of the Spirit. But we need to be moved by the Spirit. So when the Spirit says, go this direction, and your flesh wants to go this direction, you say, I'm not obligated to listen to you, and I'm going to follow the Spirit. Right? Sounds easy. I told myself I was going to watch the time because I knew I was going to have a lot to say today. I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and I'm not going to go much longer. Uh, Lucas, it would probably behoove you to come forward and help me land this plane. I will rarely say those kinds of things, so y'all better take advantage of it. Come quickly. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Thank y'all for laughing. That means y'all still love me. (laughs) Okay, so Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to just read verse 18 in the Passion. For if I start over and reconstruct the old religious system that I had torn down with the message of grace, remember We're under grace. We live under grace. Now, grace is, I'm not even going to say it, but grace empowers us to live by the Spirit. Grace empowers us. It's not just about, uh, you should have been punished and you weren't, Grace. (laughs) It's that grace is covered in love. And it empowers us to live by the Spirit. That is a beautiful thing. Again, for if I start over and reconstruct the old religious system that I had torn down with the message of grace, I would appear to be a lawbreaker. In verse 20, My old identity has been crucified with Christ and no longer lives. Has anybody ever said, man, you act so different. I remember remember when you used to do this. Or why don't you want to do this anymore? Because that old man was crucified. I laid that thing at the foot of the cross. I'm not that joker anymore. But come get to know this new creation in Christ Jesus. And let me pray for you that you will receive the Holy Spirit and get to know life in abundance. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. 
My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. Dispensing his life into mine. So that is why I don't view God's grace as something peripheral, which is behind or to the side. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, then Christ would have died for nothing. You can stand with me, I think. I have a feeling you'll hear some more of this. Some other time. There's a beauty. There's a beauty in Galatians at the end of chapter 4. And it's an allegory. And it It's a beautiful allegory because it talks about, and and Galatians, as you walk through it in in chapter 3 and 4 and 5, it really is saying we have a choice. We have a choice whether we want to live in slavery or whether we want to live in freedom. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.